0: In this episode, we welcome back Dan Ryland from 12 Stone Church and his book, Amplified Leadership, Five Practices to Establish Influence, Build People, and Impact Others for a Lifetime. That's today on The Reclaim Leader. Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change their mission to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours and now here please welcome our hosts jason tucker and jesse skiffington Hey everyone! Welcome to episode 108 of the Reclaim Leader, helping you lead change without losing your roots. I'm Jason Tucker. I'm here with Jesse
1: Skiffington. How's it going, Jesse? I'm doing great, Jason. Just uh, it's fun to be here with you and dock in shop on leadership and uh, church leadership and organizational culture and how do we develop leaders and staff and this we were just saying before we hit record here. This is this is an unending topic. There's, you know, as a leader. We could, we could just camp out here on organizational culture, staff development, how to recruit and train volunteers and deploy new leaders. I mean, this is it's, it. really is a crucial topic. It's really at the heart of this podcast. How do we lead people, lead change? Uh, and so I love the conversations we're having right now. It's been a ton of fun. And today we're having one of our good friends on, someone who's just, uh, we have soaked up so much from. Ah, uh, so really glad to have Dan Ryland from Twelve Stone Church back on the podcast today.
0: Yeah, doesn't it feel like we've kind of hit the top of the mountain here at the podcast the last couple of weeks? I mean, I tell you, Jeannie Stevens back to back with Dan Ryland. I mean.
1: I just, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of blown We've away We've made by it. it. We've and,
0: arrived. <laughs> I don't know
1: about that, <laughs> but I got to tell you, I am really grateful because these are folks that are leading at the top of their game. You know, they're just so talented and have so much to share and are very willing to share that with all of us. And so as you're listening in, um, you know, these are, these are some of the best at what they do. And so it's really a privilege to get to have these conversations and we're really grateful, really grateful to have them on.
0: And I'm going to encourage our listeners. listen, I know that a lot of our listeners and most pastors in America are leading small churches or mid-sized churches. And the temptation, I think, as one who was a solo pastor in a small church, I can tell you from firsthand experience, the temptation is to tune out on this staff development stuff or staff culture stuff. Because it's like, look, what staff? What staff culture? What are you talking about? It's, (laughs) It's me and like two other people. I I think Dan's message today is particularly good and dialed in no matter where you think you are. This is stuff that you can put together and apply right away. I think it's so important.
1: So important. And you could hear his passion come out really clearly when he was talking about smaller and medium-sized congregations. And he just, he has got some nuggets in here that you don't want to miss. So, uh, Take a listen, wherever the size of your congregation or organization you're leading, you're going to benefit from the conversation with Dan today.
0: Yeah, so why don't we jump in? You know, Dan is the executive pastor at 12 Stone Church. Uh, 12 Stone's a really amazing story in their, their growth and development and uh, their impact that they are having. It's, and when you got guys like Dan Ryland running your staff culture, I mean, I guess you're pretty much set up to win. But um, he, he and he's, he's really has a heart. For helping church leaders to get this part right because he's absolutely right the staff development piece and developing leaders is absolutely everything when it comes to uh, healthy church mm-hmm. and healthy congregation and if you hope to grow you got to do some leadership development so all right let's jump right into our interview with Dan Ryland. Well, hey, everyone, we are so excited to welcome back to the podcast Dan Ryland, who is the executive pastor at 12 Stone Church, uh, leadership and staffing health organizational guru, I would say. <laughs> I mean, he is uh, really has been a, a, a loud voice for me, uh, and I know for Jesse as well, in trying to develop and frame out what what it looks like to have a healthy staff culture for the sake of God's kingdom work. And we we have Dan back today. We're so excited to welcome you back to the podcast, Dan Ryland.
2: Man, th- thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here and, and looking forward to our
1: conversation. That's awesome, Dan. You know, as Jason was saying, many of us have benefited from just the things that you are willing to share with all of us as local leaders in the, in the church. And I wanted to just start with a question. What why are you passionate about this? What gets you going so much when it comes to sharing back best practices with churches and leaders and particularly pastors? Why does this uh, matter so much to you? Yeah, well, you know, the whole
2: idea of developing leaders and leadership development, probably a, at least a couple things. I could give you 27, but, you know, we don't have So we'll, we'll go to, well, we'll do, a, we'll do two. Does that sound good? <laughs> okay. Probably a couple of reasons why I'm so passionate about coaching leaders and leadership development. And one, on a more personal level, I've just been so blessed and fortunate to have been invested in by in, uh, the best of the best and the, just uh, including my friend and coach of 38 years, John Maxwell, mm-hmm. who, when, who's just poured in so much and so many have poured in so much that it's really just impossible for me to just keep it all to myself. Um, that's just, there's, the engines have been sort of ignited within me to what was given to me. It's I, i'm a steward of it mm-hmm. I'm Not a not I want to be a, a reservoir. I want to send it out So that's that's a personal kind of a driving uh, Motivation for me. I, I think the second one if I just gave two Uh Is that really nothing moves forward without leadership? Mm-hmm. And and there's a shortage of le- shortage of leaders. There just is there's a shortage of leaders and Every every single church nonprofit, or organization that I'm part of or know or consult or coach They're always looking for more and better leaders Always 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 and and they're trying to figure out how to do it And so those those two things really um, Compel me motivate me to Do what I do. Yeah mm-hmm.
0: That's great, and by the way, your blog is great. Just to give you some feedback in real time, I mean, really appreciate the stuff that you're putting out. You put out a whole bunch of really, really useful content. A lot of people put out a lot of content. Yours is useful. I'll just Thank say you. that. Thanks,
2: Jason. Um,
0: but you know, today we're talking about developing healthy staff culture and and developing leaders, and we're diving into your book a little bit, Amplified Leadership. I, I know it's not a new book anymore, but uh, we, we have rediscovered it, you know, in our work and kind of the five different things that you talk about. And maybe if you would just share with us a little bit on what drove you to write a book about developing those leaders in the local church, obviously it comes out of your passion, but sure, sure. Um, you know, kind of what, what was really driving what you were writing in Amplified Leadership?
2: Well, coming off of that, that first question you talked about, obviously there's a shortage of leaders in the big picture. But in terms of uh, your question, uh, what compelled me to write the book, a couple of things jump out. I think on a practical level, the first one would have to be a a lack, kind of a lack of a practical understanding of the difference between equipping and developing. Hmm. It just, it's really kind of breaks down. I think in the local church, we typically tend to over equip and under develop. And we miss the critical difference between the, between the two. Now, there's obviously a blend and blur. There's an overlap between equipping and developing. But if we don't know the difference, we don't, you know, if we don't kind of get the idea that equipping focuses on developing the position or the task and developing uh, focuses on the person, the person's agenda, what they need. And we could talk about the differences if you want to, but, but the, the difference between the two really matters. And learning how to develop is just an entirely different skill than learning how to equip. Hmm. You can build a good church, even a big church on equipping, but the great legacy churches come from developing. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Can can you unpack that a little more? I would love to hear more about kind of the difference between the two.
2: Sure, sure. Um, Well, going back to, you know, equipping really is more of a transactional uh, deal and developing is more transformational. They're both good. Like transaction is, you know, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. You know, transaction is if you go to if you go to Wendy's and give them three bucks, you get a burger and a Coke. Right. Well, that's good. Well, I feel like Wendy's <laughs> and and, and, and uh, we'll train you how to be a small group leader. If you'll be a small group leader, that's a transaction. That's great. You can build great organizations on on that. But the transfer, the, um, once an exchange, uh, equipping is an exchange where developments, uh, it's a gift. You know, I, we're giving this to you. You don't have to give anything back. And it's transformational, and it's it's a gift, and we're going to pour this into so you become a bigger, better, stronger person um and they're just equippings based on um the church's agenda, developments based on the person's need it's It's just a really, really big yeah. difference yeah,
0: yeah. And, and I think even as you're saying that, there's a part of me that I probably don't want to admit, but I'm going to. <laughs> is that developing a person may mean that they develop right out of a position in the church onto something else and all that work at equipping and developing. Now I feel is lost on the organization because they're moving on. I I think there's something to that, that it's almost like a fear of developing because I'm afraid to lose that great person. I don't know. Does that seem right on or is, oh, am, am I alone?
2: It, no, no, no. It's, I mean, it's so true. It happens to all of us. You think, I just poured three or four years in this person. They're just getting good. And now they got so good. Somebody <laughs> else noticed them and they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a kingdom thing. And and that when you go through that transition, you're actually transitioning from a really good thing to a great thing. And the mm-hmm. good thing is developing leaders. The great thing is, Actually figuring out how to do a leadership development culture, because mm. they're really they're really two different things. Again, um, you know, there's one other idea that comes to mind on that question. Is that I think that they're you know why, why why write the book? Is I think there's a lot of leaders, natural leaders with kind of the bigger personalities. You know, um, they develop leaders by their presence. You know the follow me watch me do this kind of thing, which is good that works Um, but that doesn't help most leaders Especially the leaders who are less intuitive They they really need a plan. They need they need a process. They need they need a sequence They need to have somebody help them break it down to see the pieces parts mm-hmm. And because and, you can really learn it. It's a skill um now, the truth is people don't really march along to a linear path. People are very organic, so you know there's if if amplified leadership has these ten skills and they're in order of a sequence which they really are people are' they don't follow that order right but you it's kind of like learning how to ski or any kind of a sport you once you learn it, then you can adapt and get fluid with it and so once people if it's not natural to you what to do once it becomes just part of you then you can speed up a section and slow down a section and skip a section just according to what the person needs. Yeah.
1: Or right, Jason, we went, you know, let's jump into it because I think maybe someone's listening going, okay, so I want to develop leaders. I, I get that the difference maybe between equipping and developing, where do I begin with that? And what I loved in amplified leadership, you, you give that, that five kind of framework of five practices and some related skills and they might not always be linear in in that way, but mm-hmm let's jump in. Where does someone begin? What's, what's kind of the first thing that they would do to in the development of new leaders?
2: Yeah, I I think, I really believe it all starts with connection, a person's ability to connect. You know, we talk about that, you know, a lot in communication, you know, do you connect with your audience? Can you connect? But it really is a big, big deal in terms of developing a leader Um, connection is kind of the ability to find a person's heart without an agenda, anything more than the fact that you care. Um, it, it involves a lot of things and we can unpack these if you want but it involves connecting involves things like self-awareness big popular topic today um, being yourself that authentic Authenticity over self-protection uh, That kind of a notion um, Conquering things like insecurity all, all those kinds of things go into connecting with somebody um, and That's really where where it all starts. Here's something that's really interesting about that like the top leadership and everybody else in this idea of, of relational, a relational model like this starts with people. And that is, there's only one person in any organization. Only the top person starts with vision. Everybody else starts with a relationship. And yeah. the and the top person, the top leader, the CEO, the senior pastor, they start with vision, but they quickly have to go to relationship. And everybody else starts with a relationship, but they quickly have to go to vision. And so, but we, but if you don't connect, it doesn't work. I think the the, the second one would be to learn to appreciate. Mm-hmm. And this one's really tricky for some leaders, and I'll tell you why. For for a lot of leaders, but but the essence of it is learning how to appreciate people, the way they for who they really are not trying to change them and make them fit a position or a spot or something that we need them to do but rather than trying to change them our job is to make them just the best version of the, of who they are hmm. and and sometimes in doing that um people can feel like we don't appreciate them because as, le- as as leaders we tend to push we tend to challenge we tend to try to get them to make progress and when and if we come on too strong and too hard, if they don't know we care, they can think we're, we're we don't accept them the way they are. Well, we really do, but that's why you have to back up and make sure that there's a connection there. They know you care. It's a heart level. So when you do push a little bit as a coach, they know you're really doing that for their good, not for your agenda. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Man that's that's huge. Uh, it was reminding me of uh, Todd Bolsinger in his book Canoeing the Mountains. Oh yeah. He t- he talks about you know, they got to trust you on the map before they trust you off the map.
2: Oh, that's good.
0: You know, like you have to you have to hmm. build relationally otherwise all of this just kind of falls apart. Uh, do you think part of the whole I I was really resonating when you were writing about authenticity versus self-protection. I mean, Do you think the fear of being authentic is a fear to show that I am not perfect or I don't have it all together? Is it that I think I should be projecting some kind of leadership persona? Is that what blocks authenticity or is it something else?
2: You know, a a lot of, I think it's different levels. For some people, it's just, they just don't want to be caught being real. (laughs) They don't, they want, because of insecurities. Mm -hmm. Others, it is more of an image kind of a thing. I think it's different for everybody but it always comes back to one or two things either fear or insecurity yeah and that's that's where it always goes back to and and then sometimes on the positive side some leaders I almost said younger leaders but it really can be any age don't realize that people like you best when you're yourself they just do not not. But not everybody's going to like you but they like you best when you're you mm. and i love to tell young leaders in particular you know who are if when they're worried about what other people think of them that you know when you're laying awake at night worrying about what people are thinking of you they're sleeping they're snoring, they're not thinking of you at
1: all and,
2: and you just need to go to sleep and and because they're not worried about it and neither should you
1: yeah i know you vulnerability, talk, yeah. yeah oh i was just gonna say that vulnerability feels risky i think sometimes for for us as leaders and uh, and, but we know that if you're not able to be vulnerable and authentic, that, that trust doesn't build a exactly. true connection. It doesn't build. And, um, so it's, it's hard, but it's good. It's, it's vital that we, it's vital. It.
2: And you have to learn how, you know, you can overdo it. You can, yeah. you know, some, some people will tell their problems because they don't know the solution. You know, I, I see some leaders from the platform, they're not casting vision. They're trying to find their way mm. and they're just trying to get people to, Whatever they'll affirm, okay, that must be the right way. And then people, sometimes leaders will, will do that from our own personality. Um, I remember coming out of, out of seminary. I, I noticed this is back in the Jurassic era, right, you know <laughs> so come, come out of seminary, and I, and I noticed if you know the temperaments, you know, like the choleric and the, the strong and the melancholy, the thinker type and the, the phlegmatic, the easygoing and the sanguine the phlegmatic. Well, I noticed that all the seemingly all the pastors, who were the pastors of these gigantic churches and the big conference speakers were the choleric sanguins. So I thought, well, I'm not stupid. I'm going to be one of those, you know? <laughs> and so I literally just decided I was going to be a choleric sanguine. Well, here's a big problem. I'm not a colic sanguine. I'm a colic melancholy. And so I literally for a couple of years out of school tried to be somebody I wasn't <laughs> and nothing worked. And it wasn't until I started to meet some some pastors and leaders of these gigantic churches that were not remotely choleric or sanguine and watch what God in it. So God began to give me permission to be myself. And, and I discovered it was really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I discovered I liked me where before those first few years, nothing worked because I yeah. wasn't, I wasn't being authentic. People couldn't connect. I wasn't being me. And here's the key. I was wasting so much energy Trying to be something I wasn't. I I love telling leaders everywhere, be the person God created you to be and watch what happens.
0: Yeah. And I love that because God called each and every one of us to be where we are on purpose. Like he wanted us to be us. That's right. And I think it takes a little while to be comfortable in your own skin in leadership to realize, hey, wait a minute. God doesn't want me to be John Maxwell as wonderful as he is. He wants me to speak in my language, in my way, and, yep. you know, respond to things the way I do. But I, I think that I'd probably just takes some time to build that confidence.
2: Yeah, it does. Yeah.
0: So then you talk about, you know, so it starts with connection. And I know in the book, you, you go further into the next step where you're talking about engaging a follower and you talk about encouragement. I love what you say. You say that encouragement is the fuel um, where people will gravitate toward you and, you are fueling them and empowering them with your encouragement. Can you uh, say more about that? You, um, how does encouragement, how is that the fuel for engaging people who are following your leadership?
2: Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's, it's a fuel that engages people, it enables people to hold longer, reach farther, dig deeper, go, you know, all that stuff. You, you just can't. I truly believe that encouragement is 51% of leadership. You just can't encourage people too much. Now, I think what's important is to define encouragement. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I I think sometimes we see it as this warm, fuzzy, soft like like blah.
0: affirmations.
2: Yeah, just yeah. you know, and and that's part of it, of course. Ver- the verbalization of of your encouragement that that's that's part of it. But but honestly, that let's let's push it. Let's, let's let me be a coach for a moment and push it a little bit. And and if I was your coach, I would be saying that if you really are an encouraging leader, you literally draw people to you. People are drawn to you. Meaning specifically or practically, if you're in the lobby or you're in Walmart or you're wherever, there's something about you that actually people migrate to you. Uh, They want to be around you because you're the kind of person that makes them feel better about who they are in a very genuine and sincere way. And you can think of people right now, I'm sure, that when you see them, you, you know, you just you're just sort of drawn to them because they make you feel better about who you are They here's what I really believe about life is it my kind of a homespun Life philosophy is that that life is life is wonderful. It's life's difficult, but it's wonderful um, Life is wonderful. That's how I say it. life is wonderful, but it's difficult I mean, you know, are you married? Okay, <laughs> it can be difficult. have you ever had a financial trouble Have you ever had a healthy life can be difficult, but it's really wonderful And and so, uh, when you have that disposition, and and because let's say it this way, life's wonderful, but it's difficult. Because life is difficult, there is a weight and a pressure to it, and it tends to kind of weigh on your shoulders and press you down. And it is there's a weight to life. There's problems in life. It's wonderful, but there's problems in life. And so anybody who is an encourager who walks into someone's life and kind of lifts that weight. And and genuinely and authentically encourages People are drawn to that person Um, And 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 by the way, it's not about personality It doesn't matter if two or three people are drawn your way or like you mentioned john maxwell or thousands are drawn your way It's just that they want to be around you Because of who you are And the opposite is also true You can probably think of people you you see them you're going oh dear lord I can't. I, I got to get away from them. You know, they, <laughs> they, they suck the life out of you. You know, life is hard. Then you die. You know, kind of. A, you know, they, it's it's hot outside. The traffic's terrible. I've got so much work to do. Do you want to be around those people? No. You, you know, and so it the 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 art of encouragement is so powerful, and it's really the the turn of people wanting to follow you because they want to be around you. Mm-hmm. It's not manipulation. You actually really care about who they are. Yeah,
0: that's good. And so the then you get into kind of the third area, the third leadership practice that you identify is embracing a team member. Mm-hmm. And so what do you, what are the skills involved in that particular area? I mean, what's at stake when it comes to embracing a team member? And maybe say more about that.
2: Yeah. Well, there's two two skills. I think one is one is inviting, and the other is equipping and and uh, <laughs> invitingly a code a code word for the real word recruiting yeah. <laughs> um, yeah i remember writing that book and i was traveling uh, to a conference to speak somewhere and i took some residents with me and, and I said, I think recruiting is an old-fashioned word. I don't think it's a good word. I think it's kind of a hard word. And they go, you're right, you're right. It's a lame word. It's an old guy's word. And it's, <laughs> I said, well, I don't know if I believe that. But uh, they said, inviting is the better, warmer, relational word. And I agree. Mm-hmm. And I put inviting in there because that's the better word. Invite them on the team. However, recruiting is kind of the real word because the difference is inviting is kind of an open ended. like, well, come if you want, don't come if you want. I used to live next door to a really young, up and coming uh, recruiter for the Falcons, and I guarantee you his job description wasn't like, well, you know, come on the team if you feel like it, <laughs> don't if you don't. like he's paid to produce. He's paid to get someone on the team, which is which is what the word recruiting brings to its to the feel of it. Mm-hmm. And, and another thing too, um, don't, don't mistake don't don't mistake recruiting for some kind of a management principle. Mm. Jesus was a master recruiter. Mm. When he said, "Come and follow me," he didn't say, "Come and follow me, whatever." I mean, he he kind of he wanted he wanted a yes. Jesus wanted a yes. And so, as as recruiters, it's our ability. It's it's really a everything's at stake with this. With your question, everything's at stake with this because. Uh, it's kind of the turn the turnkey skill in this entire process Something i've noticed over the years Meaning that this at stake. It's whether people follow you or not But i've noticed over the years that that of all the skills and abilities This is one of the top ones that kind of separates those who lead those who don't Mm -hmm. Because even in the church amongst the very best the very brightest the Capable business leaders and owners they struggle with recruiting it's just one of the tougher ones to do. And and, uh, and there's there's reasons for it. But, but primarily, um, if someone struggles with recruiting, it's not about recruiting. It's one of the first four skills before it. Mm-hmm. So if you struggle with, you know, it's a diagnostic tool as well. If you're not great at recruiting, then I guarantee you it's either inspiration. If it's not inspiration, it's encouragement. If it's not encouragement, it's appreciation. And if it's not appreciation, it's, it's connecting. Mm-hmm. And you can just follow it backwards to figure out where it's breaking down, why you can't recruit. And one last thought is recruiting is a, a layered thing. Um, leaders will come to me all the time and say, well, I know how to recruit. I can recruit. I, can, I, got, I agree. I'm, I think you do. I think you do. I say, but, <laughs> but at what level? Mm-hmm. In other words, as the church gets bigger, as the organization gets bigger, how many can you recruit? Who can you recruit? How long will they stay? How many levels can you work through? How deep can you, you know, where you used to be able to encourage one-to-one face-to-face, can you encourage people through layers? How far, how deep can you go? Mm -hmm. It gets really complex the bigger the organization
1: gets. Wow.
0: What would you say to those pastors who they feel like um, they don't have a big team to focus on and, or they there doesn't seem to be a, a real big pool of people to recruit from.
2: Yeah.
0: Because uh, I know many listening feel like they're in that situation. I don't know. And you never know if it's just perception that maybe there are more people than they realize, but I think people genuinely feel stuck. Like, Hey, I would love to develop all these people, but you know, I need some people. Um, what would you yeah. recommend as kind oh, of a yeah. starting point?
2: Two, two things. One, one is, is start with, start with, start with what you have. Mm-hmm. Start with who God gave you um you're right that i hear that a lot in the smaller and mid-sized you know churches super common since that's most of the churches in america is that size um and that's those are great churches and god there's fantastic things through all those churches and leaders but start with who you have start with you know leadership development is a slow process and it's not you know how big is the attendance on sunday morning so start with who god gave you and secondly never underestimate the power of one new leader one new one just one new leader can change your church and i don't mean someone just a helper or you know someone do it but a a leader who's actually helping you influence and move things forward start with start with who god gave you start with what you have and never underestimate the value of one more leader we feel the pressure to have five or ten or twenty more but one more can change your church and and when you start to raise the bar, then you have two, then it's three, then it's five, and all of a sudden that cumulative nature starts to take place, and things start to change. So that's that's a great. I love to talk about that and unpack that whenever it is appropriate because that's just so true.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's unpack it a little now. You know, it's. I think that's. I think that's truly is where a lot of people are stuck. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. A lot of leaders that, that we speak into their kind of world. I think that's yeah. where a lot of them are stuck and well, they feel like, well, you know, if I were at 12 stone, exactly, I, right. It's like, Oh, well, if I had these. And
2: yeah, but, but, but what they need to, what I would want them to remember is 12 stone took seven years to get to 200 people in attendance, seven years. Yeah. And, and it took seven more years, took 14 years to get to 1500 people. It was a long, it wasn't some overnight, it was, it was you know, there's leaps and layers churches. The, the churches seem to leap, you know, they go by 10,000 people, they just wake up in the morning, the pastor sings, and there's 10,000 more people, right? <laughs> well, that's not us. It was fight for every single person, every single layer, every single, you know, over 33 years to, to get here. And and so every leader counted every leader mattered So I would add one more thing if we're going to unpack it for a second It's not only start with who you have and and don't underestimate the power of one, but it's also Don't think you know how john maxwell teaches us, you know, go go find the tens go find the tens go find the tens And some pastor will say I don't have any tens (laughs) Look for the eagles. Look for the eagles. I don't have any eagles. Well, first, I think I might disagree with that, but let's pretend it's true. Let's pretend that they don't They don't have any. You start with who you have, and here's what happens. Let's say you have a four. I, I hate to think that way or say it that way, but, but I'll just do it for illustration. Let's say you have a four. You, you you really believe you don't have a six or seven or eight to work with, then start with who you have and go pour into that four, and here's what happens. You help that four become a five or a six that five or six helps you start attracting fives and sixes then those fives and sixes you develop them into sevens and those sevens help you start attracting sixes and sevens and eights and and if you'll put the time in if you'll put if you'll give it time to breathe it takes a long time you'll literally change the culture and you'll be shocked at who you're developing how many you have and you're going from one at a time to two at a time to four at a time to ten at a ten at a time and it just gets, it's like compounding interest in the bank account, mm-hmm. and it really happens that way. Do you want, I, I want one more unpack? Please. All right, one more unpack.
0: <laughs> are you kidding?
2: <laughs> we, we, I think when I said before, you know, we over, we, uh, we, we make, actually, we make sometimes even developing too complicated when we start getting better at it. Mm-hmm. The two key words in developing for sure, two key words are simplicity and consistency. Mm-hmm. If you've, you've got to keep it simple because you're too busy, you've got to write a sermon You've got to have workers in the nursery. You've got to have all the stuff you've got to do every week every week And so well, you know, the difference between a, de- a demand ministry and a non-demand ministry, you know uh, The the demand ministries the stuff that you have to do every week will always crowd out the non-demand ministries And leadership development is you don't have to do it and it will always get pushed out so you got to keep it simple or you'll quit and you got to keep it consistent or you you won't you won't get the results you want You'll get frustrated and you'll quit mm-hmm. So you you don't have to make it complicated We could talk about a really simple method a simple model if you want how to do that um, but it, I like to say sometimes that leadership developments is a lot like prayer It's really hard to do it wrong mm. But you just have to do it You just have to start and you'll get better at it as you, as you, as you do it. Yeah. And so the simplicity and the consistency will really help you go the distance.
1: I think I remember you saying at one point, maybe it was in our last conversation, but find a group, pick a book, and ask two questions. Yeah, I think so was we did thing.
2: talk about that. Okay, Yeah, it
1: stuck with me. And, uh, man, that, it, simple and consistent. Don't make it too big or too complex that it's going to be impossible to sustain.
2: And you don't have, exactly right, Jesse. And you don't have to write good memory. And you, you don't have to write a lesson. There's so much stuff out there. You can use the book. If you want to give a little talk, you can. You can use a blog, somebody's blog post. And and but, huddling them up and just having that great conversation about leadership—that's really how it's done. That's yeah. how it's done.
0: So you have responsibility over a, a large staff. I mean, you're you're really over the entirety of the staff. Is that multi-site? Is that everyone? that you're responsible
2: for? Yeah. Well, I mean, not directly, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but
2: but chief of staff kind of accept that. Right, right, right.
0: Mm -hmm. So what would you say is, you know, you've had some time to develop a healthy rhythm of training, developing, uh, working with staff. What does that rhythm look like in the course of a year with a church staff? I'd love to hear what healthy kind of rhythms are. So you have weekly staff meetings, I imagine, of Mm -hmm. some form or another. Mm -hmm. And then do you do retreats? Do you do sort of off-site strategic meetings? How does that look in the life of the church?
2: So, so Jason, are you asking about meeting structures or developmental structures?
0: Developmental structures.
2: Okay. Cause that's, that's different. Yeah. Uh, and we work really hard. We'll start here. We work really hard not to blend the two. Hmm. We, we, we recommend strongly, do not have a, your, your ministry meeting and then just tug in a little little uh, leadership development snack, you know, and especially with the staff and in smaller churches, sometimes your staff are volunteers. Mm-hmm. So don't mix the environment. If it's a developmental environment, make it a developmental environment. And here's the key way to break key way to break it. And that is when you go in and, and you do some good investing and some good teaching and some coaching and some good discussing. And then you say, oh by the way, now you're gonna fill up these reports and turn this thing and we have to do this and go to this meet. Don't do that. Make it a developmental meeting where they feel like they're pouring into me. This is for me. And separate that out with your other, kind, the meeting, the other meetings you have to do, and they're important, but separate them. Uh, so on the rhythms, uh, it's, it's hard to compare what we do here. But I, I think um, offsites are great, one or two a year for your staff, you and your staff. And the staff, again, volunteer and paid. They're, they're, they can be both some of your best staff ever in a smaller church are volunteer absolutely um, but I would say this if we were just going to construct a baseline if you had 10 uh, 10 meetings 10 gatherings 10 huddles a year with your staff that's in you're investing leadership development that's enough to start in other words if you did, Uh, Every month once a month except say july and december And you take this uh, you huddle them up whether it's a small group or if it's a little bit bigger Maybe it's like a small classroom size with a lot of discussion 10 of those a year because the idea is not information it's transformation. So it's not about being busy. It's about change And so if you think about it, even 10 is a lot. yeah because you're wanting them to change and, and actually adapt and, and practice what you said now. We're a little bit on steroids here. <laughs> we, we, we do a little bit like way, 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 way more than that. But again, that's part of our culture. It's part of who we are. It's part of our calling. But you can start there and that's really enough. You asked a second ago about campuses and, and everything is centralized. The campuses have clearly with their own staff, their own developmental sessions and times, and cohorts and one-to-ones and coaching and all that kind of stuff Um, uh, and then we would have larger larger environments to do all that but again we we could talk about all that but that might not be helpful it's so specific to 12 stone I think it's better to say start simple start small don't overdo it if you had 10 developmental sessions a year with your staff that's phenomenal and keep them simple uh, you don't have to write a lesson you can use a book and just go through a book together you can write a lesson but i don't i don't encourage that at, at first because then it's one more then then when you come up to it you're going to go i gotta write a leadership talk i don't have time we're okay we'll we'll skip it this month we'll do it next month right yeah <laughs> and and that's what that's what starts to happen
0: that was a little too challenging that's that <laughs> a little nugget there i don't know
1: now, we don't want to give like all everything away because we think people need to go get Amplified Leadership and give it a read for well, themselves. Well, amen. But it's, <laughs> it really is. I mean, it's, I mean, honestly, Dad, I mean, we, maybe a joke a little bit about that. But in all seriousness, it's a fantastic resource. Well, thank I love you. love the thank connection you. of practice and skills and trying to give us a picture of what it looks like to develop leaders in the local church. So thank you for your good work. But any, any kind of like key nuggets maybe from the last part of, of The book and those last two practices anything sure. you'd want to mention out of there.
2: Sure. I, I think um, A couple of things is when you're when you're kind of moving toward the The, the point of actually developing and empowering I think letting the, your apprentices let the up-and-coming leaders practice You really got to give them a shot at driving. You really got to give them a, a chance um, it, it's uh, you know, it's kind of like a classic illustration. Is if somebody's a small group leader and they have an apprentice in the group, and I ask the small group leader, "Well, how often do you let the apprentice lead?" Well, oh, I don't. They're my helper. Well, you you have to you have to let them lead. You know, you have to give them the keys. You have to give them a chance, and that's really that's really the 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 starting block for empowerment is give them the keys. So I I think in all of the sort of steps and processes and sequence and skills that we're talking about ultimately one of the things i would say jesse is Give give them the keys Give them a chance let them practice They're probably not going to do as good as you are or maybe they'll do it better But you've got to give them a chance at it. You got to give them a shot. I think that's a great That's just a great thing to to kind of t- take into You know, how, how are you so we talk about this principle? Everybody knows everybody's heard but it's really hard to do and some people and it confuses some people When it says, you know, give your job away work to give your job away and they go Well, I don't want to give my job away if I give my job (laughs) away, I won't have a job, you know (laughs) That's not true If you're in a healthy environment and you are raising up leaders to get there's always 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 more to do Mm -hmm. And when you give away what you're doing, you're going to rise up and you're going to just take on more stuff you know, we, we talk about in larger environments where some some leaders we're trying to get every we're trying to get almost everything off their plate so they can do things like see around the corner start to anticipate start to figure out what they can't see have margin pray more get get out in the community just doing things that they don't have time to do you could you could give away 80% of your job by raising up leaders and there's so much more to do
0: yeah man that is so good Dan, it, it's so great having you with us. We love when you're able to come on and, and be a guest with us. Uh, it's really, we have just so valued your, your input, your voice um, into the life of really just healthy, healthy church cultures, healthy staff cultures, uh, leadership development. It's so, so good. Um, any final words of encouragement or challenge for our listeners related to leadership development?
2: Well, you know, you, you've mentioned several times, uh, Jason, that the whole idea of, of, the big idea of culture. And I think, again, going back to where we started, part of my passion for it and why I connect that so quickly to culture rather than the more typical, which I believe in values and all the things that we talk about culture, is, is leadership, leadership development is the gift you get to give them. It is the thing that makes come true the things we believe like, the two X principle, pour twice as much in as you expect back out, or um, you want more for your people than from them. It it is the thing you do that makes that culture breathe and come to life like you want it to come to life. And so um, it really is a lot of fun. And the people who are in a leadership development culture, they don't want to leave. They they don't, they don't want to go anywhere because someone's helping them become better. Um, at what they do. Yeah.
0: That's so good. And, uh, so great resources, Dan, Ry- it's danryland.com, correct?
2: Danryland.com. Yeah.
0: And, uh, for anybody who wants to follow his blog, I, he's, he's a great follow. I encourage you to check him out, check him out on social media and, uh, also, uh, 12 Stone is a wonderful resource. I got to say, Absolutely. I have stolen, I mean, taken so many <laughs> of the research. No, but they are there for the taking. They they have lots of uh, documents, even just like uh, sample job descriptions and all sorts of wonderful, wonderful sort of back office kind of stuff that you've made available to the public on 12 Stone. And, and so I believe all you have to do is uh, just register with a a login and I think it's
2: like, give your email or something yeah. like that. And, and it's all obviously all free and there's thousands of documents and yeah. It's been I mean, huge it's, help it's to awesome. Us. Yeah, yeah. I
1: know that for sure. Yeah. We're using some of the map stuff and some, some of your staff review evaluation stuff and it's big help to all of us. So thanks for what you guys are doing. Man, thank you. Thank yeah, you. yeah
0: So thanks so much, Dan. And um, you're still playing guitar, right?
2: I you're am still rocking it's, out. Up says well, I don't know if I'm rocking out maybe in a rocking chair No, no, I'm still run. I still run every day. I still play guitar. I still do all that in between though it, My time has gotten a little thin. I'm actually finished one book is come, One book's about to come out soon another book's coming right behind it And so there's been a lot of writing effort lately and and uh, but I still I still get the guitars out Yep.
0: That's awesome. What, what are, do you know, have they chosen the name titles for those books so we can be ready for them when they come?
2: The one is, the one is still in, in too much of a prep zone, but uh, Thomas Nelson will have next spring. We'll have a title called confident leader. Hmm. Oh, and I love it's, it. It's a yeah. lot of effort and energy has gone into this, to this work, just to really help young leaders, old leaders, veteran leaders, emerging leaders with true, authentic, consistent confidence. You know, I think we get in trouble Either way, some people are overconfident, some are lacking confidence. Either one is going to get you in trouble. Yeah. Uh, but but the truth of the matter is, you we face you know big decisions and and challenges and changing culture and and even really good leaders have these insecure moments and their and their confidence they just lose it for a minute you know or lose it for a season or lose it for months you know and mm-hmm. or a board goes after them and they lose their confidence and so a lot of work and efforts gone into this. I I think it's going to make a mark. Uh, for a lot of leaders, oh, can't wait wonderful.
0: For yeah, yeah, we'll look forward to that. Well, Dan, thank you so much. God's blessings and your continued thank ministry you. and your work for the kingdom. Um, We're so thankful that you are doing what you're doing.
2: More than welcome. My pleasure. I hope we get to do this again. All
0: right. Maybe when the next book comes out, we'll have perfect. you perfect. All right. There you go. Take care. All
1: right. Thanks. Well, Jason, it's always uh, it's fun. Let's just be honest. Having Dan on is is one of those things that we love getting to do and we've benefited so much from Dan's teaching at conferences or just our conversations with him. And so really glad uh, for that opportunity to share Dan again with all of you listening in and lots of takeaways, lots of really solid, uh, solid stuff. And so um, what do you, what are you walking away with Jason? What What stood out to you in this particular conversation?
0: Well, I think He talked, that whole piece in the book that he talked a bit about, we drilled down a little bit about authenticity. Authenticity versus self-protection. I think there's something really, really important to that because you have to be authentic in order to really care for someone else. Otherwise, like he said, it becomes transactional. It's We're worried about equipping for the sake of what we want. But there's something different. When it comes to being authentic, it means, too, that I'm do I really care for that person or do I care for what that person's going to do for me? I got to be honest with you. I think, I think there's some cases where I need to really consider that question more. Yeah. You know, am I really caring about that person? Man, that's, it's tough, but it's these kind of tough questions that make you so much better as a leader that make me better. Am I really caring for the people that God has given me to lead or to develop as leaders? And that's all about, you know, being authentic.
1: Yeah. And I think if we're not careful, we can look at people, even the development of people or the equipping of people as Dan would call it as kind of helping create the machinery that's going to make our ministries go. Yeah. And that's a weird way to say it. Maybe not. I mean, we care about people. That's why we do what we do as pastors, but there is this part of us that wants to fill roles and gaps in our ministry and find people that can help us create a system for that or take on this team. And, um, But we might miss that opportunity just to to develop someone's leadership and see where God takes that and then find that spot that's just right for them. But we got to lower some walls, be vulnerable, be open to those kinds of relationships. And uh, that's not always the easiest thing when you're leading. It's already a vulnerable place. So learning to be authentic and genuine is, I think, a skill we need to develop.
0: I think to use a sports analogy, I was thinking about professional sports, particularly professional football coaches. You've heard the term, oh, that guy's a player's coach, as as opposed to another kind of coach. And the player's coach is the one that really shows that they care for the players. And the guys love to play for that kind of coach. Now, if you have the other kind of coach, guys might enjoy themselves and might even win games. But if they don't feel like the coach cares about them, they're not having the same experience. They, they're getting a paycheck but they're not really being developed in a sense as people because they don't feel they're being cared for. I think there's something really important to that.
1: Yeah. And clearly the Oakland Raiders haven't had any of that for a long, <laughs>
0: long, long time. So. Watch it. How dare yeah, you? Easy. easy. poorly on the Raider no, Nation. All right.
1: Hey, everybody listening in, we love having you um, continue to share this. If, it, if you find it useful, share it with your friends, colleagues and ministry um, you can follow us on Facebook. You can connect with us over email if you like or reach out to us. We love to talk shop uh, you know, and just kind of be helpful to you too. So Jason or Jesse at reclaimleader.com or find us on Facebook and leave us a review on iTunes or you know, those kinds of things are, are helpful to us as we continue to share these kinds of conversations with each other and try to get better in the roles that God has called all this to. So Jason, it's always a pleasure being on with you and uh for all of you listening in, hope hope all is well or at least that you're you're continuing on and pushing on pushing forward with the things that you're doing and god has called you to and uh, in the meantime we hope that this conversation today has helped you to lead change without losing your roots thank you
0: for listening to reclaimed leader join us next time for more insights interviews and resources to help you in your leadership journey